0: This episode of the Star Wars Battlefront Podcast is brought to you by our patrons on Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash battlefrontpodcast to help support this show. We're also brought to you by our PayPal supporters, paypal.me slash tie-dye-sheep, T-Y-E-D-Y-E-S-H-E-E-P. Pick your class and learn your master points. Because it's time for the Star Wars Battlefront Podcast. Welcome to episode 106 of the Star Wars Battlefront Podcast. I'm your host, Sage Goodwin, joined by the incredible Battlefront 2 campaign powerhouse duo.
1: That's what they call us. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) This is already very flattering. I'm having a good time. Hi, my name is Mitch Dyer. Hi, I'm Walt Williams.
0: In this episode, I'll be talking with Mitch Dyer and Walt Williams on the creative process of the Star Wars Battlefront 2 campaign. Let's get started. Okay. To get started, I have an incredibly incredibly important question.
1: Play it it's on me. Bring it's, it. It's from We're Aaron here. We're ready.
0: It's from Aaron Lind on uh, Twitter. Walt, why are you so dreamy? <laughs> ah,
2: it's all the peanut butter. I eat a lot of peanut butter and the I'll be honest, the the what it does for your skin is you you extreme just a ridiculous amount of oil and uh it gives you this wonderful glow quality that uh, many people from a distance will confuse as a dreamy yeah it's only under appreciated moisturizer (laughs) yeah Uh,
0: it's all those natural oils
2: uh, definitely not natural. There's nothing natural about the peanut butters I choose to consume. They aren't even technically peanut butter; they are peanut buttered paste. Uh, it's very—that's the good stuff. You don't,
1: you don't natural.
2: And really, it's a peanut butter
1: paste. There is no Battlefront two.
0: Exactly. Yes, it's, it's the fuel that that started the the campaign. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, what's your favorite Star Wars movie?
2: Mitch, why don't you go
1: first? Uh, Yeah, sure. Uh, mine's The Empire Strikes Back, because it was my first exposure to Star Wars. Um, the first time I ever saw it, I told my dad, I don't want to watch that movie, Star Wars sucks, because I thought I was like a really cool 8-year-old kid who knew everything. Uh, and then he made me watch it, and it changed my life. That was the one for me. I like Empire because it's not really about anything. It's just a bunch of people doing stuff, and it <laughs> ends poorly. Yes. It's true. I've
2: always said that Empire is like a,
1: a movie that's basically
2: four scenes. You, you've you got these people, they run away, one guy goes and hangs out in the swamp, some other people go and hang out in an asteroid, everyone gets together for dinner at the end. Like, that's basically <laughs> Empire Strikes Back. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. But if I had to choose, my personal favorite would be uh, Star Wars classic New Hope.
0: Yes, I, I am a new yes, hope fan as well.
2: I I went back and uh, you know in the in the week leading up to episode 7, uh, my wife and I watched uh, all the films uh, in chronological order. And the thing that struck me about New Hope the most is when you comp- when you take it next to all the other Star Wars films, it has a very different structure in the sense that it is structured like a very classical film and you don't really think about it that way until you're watching them all together and it's like basically these guys steal some stuff crash on a planet farm boy finds it and it's like basically it's it's a farm boy who finds like a duffel bag filled with millions of dollars from a drug lord <laughs> who suddenly shows up and wants his money back and they like run away with an old guy and some guys they meet in the bar and it turns out, oh no. A it's real big dog. <laughs> yeah, like this money's going to fund this whole rebellion thing. And he's like, oh, we're a rebellion now. And they go to a place and then they leave the place and then they go back to the place, blow it up the end. And it, it it's the only one that works entirely on its own. Like it could have stopped right there and it would have been perfect still on its own but it's also this amazing piece in this much bigger narrative. And so I love the duality of that. Um, so yeah, that would be mine. Also my, my, my skill for summarizing stories is... Um, Peerless is the word yes. I would use. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they a- go to the place, they leave the place, they go back, the end.
0: Oh, that I, that that's sh- you should start a YouTube channel. That's that's all you do.
2: I've been barred from summarizing uh, stories in game
0: meetings. <laughs> okay, because they make
2: everyone go, "Wow, that's way too simple." Uh, that that makes everything sound bad. I'm like, no, I'm just trying to save time.
0: <laughs> that makes everything sound.
2: It's, it, it, it's still good. Don't worry.
0: Yes. Okay, so I, I want to start off with uh, how you both got involved, and then we'll get into the process of writing it. How did you? How did you both get involved in Star Wars Battlefront Two?
1: It was weirdly at the same time. Um, and we didn't, like, it was this total happenstance thing of they needed two writers for this game. They knew that uh, they were trying to find people to, to come to Montreal. Um, and Walt and I, because we knew each other for years before we started working on this project, um, Started talking to like, hey, I just got this phone call from EA about this Star Wars game. And we realized, like, oh, are we interviewing for the same job? Uh, And the moment we realized, like, oh, no, we would be co-writers. We'd be working on this together. We just started conspiring to do everything we could to get this job together. (laughs) It was great. It was so – so
2: I was on a train, and Mitch calls me. And, you know, modern people don't call. You text. Yes. And so the first thing I see is Mitch called me, and I'm like, "Oh no, someone's dead. <laughs> Something terrible has happened." Uh, and so I answer the phone. He's like, "Okay, dude, dude. Oh, oh, I just got this call. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I think, I think I'm applying uh, to write a Star Wars game. I got to talk it out, man. I'm, I'm freaking out." Um, <laughs> he's like, "I gotta." do a writing sample and all this stuff. I'm like, you're going to be great. Everything's going to be fine. It's going to be awesome. And I'm like totally invested in Mitch getting this thing. And then like two months later, I get a call. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, please don't be the same job. I really want Mitch to get that job. But I also feel like I'd have to destroy him
1: because I want the job. (laughs) I would expect nothing less.
2: It's what friends do. You know, it's – if you can feel guilty about destroying your friend to get the job that they're also going for, that's – I mean, frankly – I think that's the height of friendship. Uh, a non-friend would just not feel guilty at all. Uh, but that was a great thing. We found out two different jobs, same thing, working together. And it was like the heavens parted. And we were like, oh, this is amazing. And I remember the um, the day we both found out that we got the job, Mitch and I had run into each other at GDC. We oh, yeah, you were in a park. <laughs> yeah, and, and we were sitting on a bench in the park. Mitch gets a phone call. He's like, i got to answer this. And I'm just sitting beside him, and he's just going, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay. Oh, that's great. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm just, you know, waiting, looking on my phone, and he finishes his call, hangs up. He's like, okay, cool. So I got the job. You start next week, by the way. And I'm like, oh, well, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's great news. Because they were telling him, you know, we need you to start a little earlier because the other writer's coming on, and he has to begin early next week. We think you're going to be happy with who it is. So they don't even tell him it's me. They just like insinuate that having no idea that I'm actually sitting beside him.
1: Uh, it was perfect. It yeah. could not have been planned better.
2: Oh God, that was a good day. And so that is how, uh, you know, we, end I went up to motive, uh, for my first week, um, by this, I was still in San Francisco at the time. Uh, and, uh, I sat down with the team and, uh, Mark Thompson, the game director and, um, Mitch and I had already been back and forth and hashing out, uh, an overview of what we wanted to do with the story. So I pitched that story to the team along with all of their ideas kind of mixed in. And we came up with the overarching thing. And then we all flew to, uh, I flew back to San Francisco and Motive came with me and Mitch started his first week there uh, at EA Redwood coming out to uh, do meetings uh, with more EA people. And then a week and a half in, we all went to Lucas together and pitched them the story. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's it's a it's a weird sensation to have it go that fast because suddenly you're like, hey, we're writing Star Wars. And a week and a half later, we are literally in the belly of Lucasfilm conference table surrounded by 10 to 12 people from Lucasfilm Story Group having to tell them our story. And you just have the sensation of like, well, at any point in time, security is going to come in and escort us out because we shouldn't be here. What happened to life that suddenly we're in this room uh, doing this thing and it hits you and then and then it just goes from there and it's amazing.
0: You, you realize you're working on Star Wars and it just like all all started crumbling and you're like, whoa, I'm working on Star Wars now.
2: It, yes and no, because the thing and you hear this from a lot of people when talking about Lucasfilm, because it's absolutely true is the They are so welcoming and friendly and empowering, and they want to work with you to help you find what your story is and empower you to tell the best Star Wars story you possibly can, that in, almost immediately, like, the nervousness is gone. And you're just like, oh, awesome. We're all in this together. Yeah, you just this realize is you're great. in
1: good company. You're in you're – because in, yeah. oh, they're just like us, right? They're just – they're giant Star Wars nerds. They love it the same way you do, so – it's it's a really satisfying feeling when, like, you have an idea and Leland, Chi, and Pablo Hidalgo go, hmm, that's good. <laughs> yeah. like, that's, a, that's a very real moment <laughs> in your career.
0: Yeah.
2: Pop, the, the wonderful thing about Pablo is he will sit in meetings and he's making notes and working while he's in a meeting the whole time. And for me, like, any time we would throw out a story thing, Pablo would look up and just kind of nod. Like, internally, I'd be like, we got him. <laughs> yes <laughs> they love that one. Um, so you know you you learn to like everyone's got different kind of tells and reactions to to different things, but also like they really are like they're there they're listening, they're throwing out ideas they never like there's never a point where like they just go no, we don't like that they always go, okay, so you that's not gonna work for reasons sometimes they can tell you sometimes they can't depending on, you know, uh, what's going on. But they're always like, we see what it is you're trying to do. And we understand where you're going with that. So while you can't do that exact thing, here are a couple ideas uh, that maybe you can run with that would uh, would fulfill the needs. Or just give you ideas to, to kind of build off of that, to come up with something new that'll do the same thing. Like they're always, you know, they were just always supportive and feeding more and more ideas. It was a constant back and forth cycle that was, it's, you go into these kind of relationships with the working with like a big studio like that. And you never really know what that relationship is going to be like. And when it ends up being this fantastic, it just makes you love star Wars more.
1: Uh, And it helps that they're creative guys, right? Like they're, they've worked in television, They work on films. Now they, they are writers. They are storytellers. Like they know what they're doing and they are excited to be doing it. And that just makes that relationship that much easier to, to be part of. Um, because they they won't help you. They want to. They also want you to make a great Star Wars, uh, and Battlefront Two is not the same story, uh, and not in the same quality as it is without them.
0: So that that kind of leads me into uh, my next question, which was uh, how does the writing process work in conjunction with Lucasfilm?
1: Mitch, uh, so we had we did this really interesting thing where, usually in games you don't do this, but we kind of from day one led with the script. Um, We were outlining story stuff. We were figuring out where the missions were going to be, what you were going to do, what the big moments were going to be. Because we had to get this stuff ironed out uh, and figure it out with Lucasfilm and develop all these ideas. Uh, So we did a lot of outlining really early on. Walt and I came up with a ton of ideas um, just for characters and uh, locations and all these kinds of things. And then we just kind of workshopped them with Lucasfilm on the phone at their headquarters. They'd come up to Montreal. Walt would come up to Montreal Lots and lots of people flying all over the place to make it work, uh, and then basically once we had a really good grip on the arc that we wanted on to the journey we wanted I to go on, what her arc was going to be, what the major emotional beats were going to be. Uh, Walt and I basically sat down and said like, all right, you do half, I'll do the other half, and then we'll trade. <laughs> that, that was kind of the process. Is Walt and I would just write as much as we could, trade, do a ton of eviscerating, and then uh, <laughs> trade back, and then. Uh, figure out. Okay, this is a really good moment. I think it would work really well at a different location, or this is something we should really double down on. I didn't think about this as a character moment, um, and it 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 was simultaneously like we'd work a little bit in isolation, but then we'd regroup and then rewrite everything together.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it was great. Like I I've, I've never had a writing uh, collaboration uh, on a project like I did with Mitch on this one. Having that. I think it certainly helps that coming into the situation that we both knew and liked each other and were friends. And I think we were also both a little nervous about that, too.
1: You, yeah, there's built-in trust yeah, and
2: built-in terror. You <laughs> want to wanna come out on the other side still friends. And, and in an amazing turn of events, we came out on the other side better friends. <laughs>
1: uh, Which is an amazing bit of irony because I vividly remember you giving somebody else advice like, Weeks, like mere weeks before this opportunity came around, where you were like, Yeah, you should never work with your friends and never work. I know. <laughs> <laughs> It'll ruin your friendship and everything. And now, like, no, Walt <laughs> and I talk every day. It's his birthday today. And a little note this morning. I don't know. I remember you and I when
2: I'm being at dinner with someone else and then being like, I want to work with you on a game someday. And I was like, No, you no.
1: don't. <laughs> <laughs> you don't
2: want to do that. I like you too much. Please don't. But I appreciate the set of it. Thank you.
0: Um, it's like Smash Bros. But yeah,
2: go like it. It did. There was so much back and forth and collaboration, and so many ideas. Like it really did reach a point where we would be playing through the game to see the story in the game, or reading a script, and we'd be like, "Oh, I love that, Mitch. I love this line you wrote." You wrote, wait, I didn't write that. You wrote that. <laughs> uh, no, are you sure? No, this was your idea. I don't think so. Like we we've actually forgot. Who came up with what because so much of it has been We've been feeding into each other working up building off of each other so much that it all just kind of has come together as this one Thing that it's just I don't know. It's really nice
0: So Walt, you wrote uh, spec ops the line and Mitch you yes. wrote for IGN Yes, so I'm gonna start with Walt. How did how did that carry over to? writing Battlefront 2's campaign
2: um well one is a video game and so is the other, and that's all that I can say. Because to reveal anything else would reveal things about the story one way or the other. Aha. But that's a nice trick question to try to get information out of it.
0: <laughs> What about what about you, Mitch? I know writing fiction and nonfiction, how did that carry over to Battlefront 2?
1: Um the honestly, like I think it was less the writing of video game reviews and previews and features and stuff like i reviewed walt's game i reviewed spec ops the (laughs) line uh which is how we met hilariously enough because walt had come to the office and i was like i literally just finished your game you and i need to talk (laughs) 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 because i have nobody else to talk to about this game um but honestly like writing reviews and interviews and features and stuff like that kind of writing it carries over in as much as like you're sort of telling a story and you're you're shaping something but um there's no central characters. There's no major themes. You're not exploring conflicts of any kind. Um, you're reviewing a product. Uh, but what you do get out of it is when you're working in the games press, you talk to people like Walt. You, know, you, you lock him in a meeting room and you say, tell me how you did this uh, thing that I just finished. And he tells you how he did it. And you realize, like, oh, that's a, I never thought about how that gets done creatively. Um, I, don't, I didn't think that's how those decisions would get made. And you take those that those learnings, and you if you know if you write fiction in your spare time, like I did, you then take those learnings to whatever your creative process is. Um, so it was more in the in the press, I did a lot of like just absorbing of information from very talented people that I am now like I just stole all of the good stuff that they told me, and I'm now hopefully putting it into good practice
0: <laughs> on the topic of IGn, so I, I I'm a big listener of the IGN podcasts. And I remember when the game when the first game came out, you weren't a big fan of it, Mitch. Uh,
1: so I am going to you know I'm going to look up the review right now. I think I gave an 8 out of 10. IGN.com. Uh, cuz I'm I wrote the review for Battlefront 1 uh, cuz this is a franchise that's meant a lot to me for a long long time. Like I yes. I spent Many, many, many hours playing the original Battlefront split screen with my best friend Derek Lucas back home. Uh, my friend Jesse Gamble and I skipped a bunch of classes to play Battlefront 2. The irony now is that Jesse's a teacher; uh, <laughs> <laughs> he has to appreciate that. Uh, Battlefront, I gave an eight because uh, obviously it was it was like the the, the fidelity of Dice's yeah. representation of Star Wars was it was unbelievable. I couldn't believe how great it was. It had this these great sandbox multiplayer modes and a lot of them. Uh, the co-op missions were really good I really enjoyed those Um, but I think obviously the thing that everybody realized (laughs) that was kind of missing and that we heard loud and clear when developing the sequel was where's the campaign where's the single player right like this is Star Wars this is a world where I expect characters to be occupying these incredibly beautiful worlds Uh, and coming into the sequel and having the opportunity to forge characters and relationships from the study of the Empire and, and exploring that in in Star Wars Battlefront. This thing that has like a very important legacy in my life and is like a very it's a touchstone in my connection to Star Wars in the same way the films are. That's ridiculous to me. Yes. <laughs> I like still can't get over that. Like I I have um my drawer here at work, I have the pre order bonus from E B games. I have the Scout Trooper action figure that you got for pre ordering the first battlefront and it's sitting right beside my uh Inferno Squad agent pre order bonus from GameStop for Battlefront two.
0: Nice. We've got the Darth Vader PS4 right now, I'm looking at it, and it is a gorgeous piece of work.
1: Yeah, I really like that machine. And we we have one now too, I didn't know about this until the day they announced it, but with, there's like a Battlefront 2 themed PS4 Pro with an Inferno Squad logo at center on it. That is awesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. I know, that's so
2: crazy. Every time I see it, I'm like, wow. We we came up with the Star Wars thing and now they're branding it on PS4. It's yeah. ridiculous. And then it, and it's going to be in, in FIFA and NHL and Yeah, NBA all the sports kids <laughs> and stuff like the costumes. Like, <laughs> oh, what have yeah. we done, Walter? We We've made something beautiful. That's what we've done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk. Inferno squad so why did you tell uh, why did you choose to tell this story
2: after you Walter well I mean there's every story has for us we were looking at what we were interested in seeing as fans and at the time episode 7 was still kind of out in theaters Uh, And so, like, we had the whole seven-episode saga out in front of us. And uh, the the period of time that was most interesting to us was that, you know, there's this big 30-year gap between episode six and episode seven of what's happening, what's going on in the galaxy. And we were, first off, drawn to helping to fill in that gap. Because as fans, that's a gap that we also want to know what's going on. Uh, and you know, when you're approaching a story, you know, I think it's always a good idea to like, not think what's the story that other people want to hear, but what's the story that I would want to hear and that I would want to spend a year and a half of my life telling. Um, because if the story that lines up with your desires is going to line up with the desires of the audience too. Um, so from there we began looking at where the galaxy was and, at the end of episode six, uh, now I'm gonna go into you know, some broader lore here. You know, the, the Empire is still fighting for about a year after the end of the Battle of Endor. Um, and so we've already kind of seen what it's like for the the, the 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 rebels are they're on the uptick at this point. They've become the new republic. They are uh, they're feeling good about themselves. They are now, uh, the, the stronger force in the galaxy and the Empire, they're the ones that are on the run. They, in a lot of ways, have kind of become the rebel force in this uh, two-sided civil war. And approaching the Empire from an angle that we had never really experienced them before, uh, where they are not the most powerful dominant force of the galaxy, and using that story to to fill in some of that gap between episode six and seven, for us as fans, that was a really intriguing uh, idea and something that we really wanted to explore.
1: Yeah, and it was something for me. Like I've I've always kind of like the Empire, like I mentioned before, right? The Empire Strikes Back is my it's my favorite. It was my first exposure, and at the end of that film, the Empire is the most powerful it's ever been. It is like peak Galactic Empire. <laughs> By the end of Return of the Jedi, that losing the death star 2 is the biggest victory for the rebels so it's the biggest loss for the empire it is this significant moment in time that i was super eager to explore because you get to kind of in the dark side you get glimpses into the dark side in the films whether it's through uh cutaways to vader or hints about boba fett and darth maul like what are these guys doing where do they come from you don't get to you don't get to see that side of the story a whole lot. Um, so for me it was something that I always felt like Star Wars was missing was this this whole other side of the the force and uh the way that people think about light and dark in the galaxy that you don't really get to see through t- that far into um so for us it was it was really cool to say like let's let's position an imperial person <coughs> as a hero and figure out what their lives are like. Where do they come from? How do they deal with personal conflict? How do they deal with galactic conflicts within the Empire and outside of it with the Rebellion? How do they wrestle with their military careers and personal relationships? All these things are really interesting to explore because they kind of haven't been. You can count the number of Imperial stories, like big, significant Imperial stories about Imperials on one hand, and a lot of them are really recent with like Lost Stars and Thrawn. Uh, So it's exciting to see Star Wars sort of moving in that direction and not it's not. I don't think it's really graying the the morality of it all, but it is showing you. Here's how the other side works. Here's who's involved, because there are iconic people on this side uh, that you want to know more about. So let's learn more about them.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Because and, and I, it's what Mitch said about it morally graying. I think is very true. It's not because when we when you think of the films, we've only seen the Empire from the top down. You know, you've got the Emperor, you've got Darth Vader, you've got Grand Moff Tarkin. These people who are undoubtedly evil and have evil intentions. But the empire is this, it, it's larger than them. It is this galaxy-spanning institution uh, where people on planets on the far side of the galaxy know all they're hearing is the empire propaganda. They don't know what the emperor's ultimate intentions are they don't all they know is that the galaxy was nearly torn apart in the Clone War, so for when the empire comes along for for people on these planets that were devastated by the Clone War, the empire's a good thing. Everything the Empire is saying that they are that they want to do these are good things because they're not seeing the Empire from the angle that we are as viewers of the film and so telling stories of the empire. From that part of it, from the people who grew up in it as a as a force for order and structure in the galaxy, understanding why they might see that as a good thing, or why they would devote their lives to it. For that's very like it, that. That's an interesting uh, angle for us to view the Empire, because as as, as the audience and fans of Star Wars. It's not one that we've seen before, but it is one that would exist in the galaxy.
0: Yes. Because
2: an organization that big doesn't just continue to stay in power if everyone is just selfish and corrupt and evil. Like, there are people who have to truly believe in what the Empire claims they are doing, who support that mission and are trying to, uh, you know, bring it to fruition.
0: And that's where Iden comes in. Um- What was it like for you to be writing this this character who strongly believes in the Empire?
2: Well I Easy
1: yeah, I mean it's it's honestly it's not It's not that difficult to write a character who has beliefs, right? Like if you have somebody who's Committed to something if you give them okay, what's the what is core to this person's belief? Okay, it's this they want peace order justice security. They want this for the galaxy great um, using that as a motivation for their every decision they make and the, the way they talk to people that actually makes it really easy um, so having the Empire be the anchor for the main character actually made writing Aiden a lot easier uh, but it wasn't really until we cast Janina Gavankar that we really found the voice of Aiden, we knew what we wanted from this character to be this cold, calculated brutal commander, but it wasn't until we had Janina that we really found the emotional core of this character her, or the way she reacts to things emotionally, the way she's invested in things as somebody who's dedicated to the Empire. Um, and it takes finding a performer, especially somebody as talented as Janina, to, to really capture that, that essence of the character that you're trying to conceive of. Um, so it, it, was, it was not super difficult to figure out what this person wanted and how they wanted to get, get it done because we wanted Aiden to be a little bit extraordinary. We wanted her to take risks and do things a little bit outside of protocol um, to get the mission done. And then to have opinions about it uh, through Janina, who is uh, just naturally by herself like a very alpha, out there, opinionated um, person who's very engaging. And that makes for a really compelling protagonist when you bring those personalities to the character. Um, So there's a lot of Janina in uh, Aiden, and that character is just not remotely the same without her.
0: That's it's definitely I'm I'm very interested to see how it is and I'm I'm staying away from asking questions I really want to ask because I don't want to get spoiled like I'm already trying to go on lockdown on my Twitter like Hmm, who do I need to who do I need to mute right now?
1: (laughs) Everybody Everybody. Every single person. Except me and Walt. We're always here for you.
0: Okay. Thanks guys.
2: Also we're legally contracted to not reveal anything.
0: Yes. apart from being fans of the empire were there any other forces driving the influence in choosing the dark side
1: that's actually interesting huh. i've never i've never yeah. thought about it this way this is one of those good questions walter yeah what i astro- don't know that
2: there would i mean for me it it wouldn't be so much that necessarily I was a fan of of the Empire so much as I want when i when I sit down to engage in a story in something that is as big as Star Wars, like I want something new. And as Mitch said, like we haven't got we we, we don't have a lot of stories from the Empire. So for me, it was just I want I want to see the new thing in Star Wars that as a fan I would want to see. And that was ultimately, I think what drove. Both of us in pushing towards that story, and I think other people on the team getting excited about it too, is that it ultimately is new, because we've seen, you know, you've got the the, the Force uh, uh, Force Unleashed games, you know, those are to an extent dark side games, uh, but you know, it's dark Jedi, and you know, you can play the the old KOTOR games kind of with a dark side twist, but you'd never, we've never really seen. Uh, the empire from the soldier standpoint and all of that aspect of it, of it just being new for us as fans, but also as writers, because then it gives you, you feel like you can do more with the story. You're not beholden to the things that you've seen or read or experienced. And also you're not going to be influenced uh, or uh, intimidated by those stories either. You're not holding yourself up against them. because we've played rebel stories, we've seen rebel stories, and you don't want to be constantly thinking, "Oh well, is it as good as what Luke did in Empire when he did this thing?" You're not, you're not even telling a story that's comparable to Luke. You're telling a completely different experience in this galaxy, so it, it frees you up mentally as a creator
1: to to come up with something uh, new and exciting. Yeah, it's about the circumstance of the characters, too, right? Like, Luke is born into fairly light-side circumstances, right? Like, he's, he's got his, like, boring farm-boy life, but Ida is born into dark-side circumstances. She is somebody who is born and raised on Vardos, an Imperial planet, with Imperials all around her, and Loyalists on the planet all around her, celebrating this empire that keeps the galaxy safe. And, ostensibly, that is what they're doing. That is what the Empire's goal is, is to keep the galaxy in obviously a tight grip, but also to keep it protected and keep its people protected so that they can continue to be loyal to the Empire. Um, So that's an interesting position for a character that we haven't really seen explored in Star Wars before. I I think... Walter mentioned something earlier, and I think it kind of ties into your original question of what else compelled you to tell a story like this. And I think it's... For me, it was... I wanted to tie it into Battlefront in a way that it, it had to feel like it could only be Battlefront, right? Like, we didn't want this to be... Okay, well, let's just write a movie and then put it in this video game. We wanted to do something that felt authentic to the to the front franchise. And for me, somebody who's been obsessed with this thing forever, like I, I really loved the multiplayer of the original and how much it felt just like being a disposable expendable soldier, somebody on the battlefield who' is willing to just like run in, steal a ship, drive a speeder, Fight a bunch of whatever Ewoks on Endor or <laughs> Wookiees on whatever planet. Yeah, just, you know, whatever classes that they had in those games. Like, it was just cool to, to run around and fight for that particular side and then die, respawn, do it again as somebody else. And I was always compelled by what that story would be if you just plucked one of those people out and made them a little bit more extraordinary and gave them their own, their own, like, you know, uh, special forces armor and things like that. Um, so that was always core to, to what these characters are, is how can we make somebody who can represent the best of Battlefront, whether it's being an adept pilot or an expert on, on the ground with uh, blasters or cool Imperial technology, things like that. Um, that was always really at the, f- the front of our minds when writing the story.
0: Yeah. And like you're saying, it is a story that we've, we've definitely not seen on screen, and the games are visual a visual way to tell the story and i love that there are great dark side stories in the books but we've never seen one so i'm very much looking forward to uh getting the story in my hands and just like as soon as it comes out we are building a new studio out in our garage we are going to record as much as we can (laughs) we'll be doing daily podcast episodes We are going whole hog on this game, and I'm very much looking forward to experiencing this.
2: Well, let me tell you, when you say seeing a story, that is really, like, you've seen the trailers that are out there now. But, so, I mean, I work remotely. I live in Louisiana, so I'm not at the studio all the time. So I don't see the game every day like Mitch does. Every time I've seen new things from the game. And now, obviously, the game is gold, so it's final. And I've seen some final stuff. But I continue to be amazed and just floored by how much our game looks like Star Wars. More than I imagined it in my head when we were writing it. And it... Like, I don't even have the words to describe how... Uh, amazing it is to to see this thing come to life. Uh, I don't know, like Janina's performance, everyone's performance, TJ's, um, uh, Anthony, um, and Scordy Yeah, yeah. Like everyone in this game has brought such amazing life to these characters, and to see them physically bring them to life in the game as well, because we
1: use you know full performance capture. Uh gosh, we've also got I hope I hope we still have because I think that we've we've held off on spoiling a lot of stuff like the trailers show a great deal of incredible things, but there's a lot that we have yeah. not revealed yet um, in terms of locations and set pieces and character moments and characters like there are particular characters that Walt and I cannot wait to talk about until after yeah. the game is out. if, if uh, there's any
2: if, if you're curious as to why I'm being very halting and very careful with, with my word choices that's because I, I keep almost like going into things <laughs> that I shouldn't and so I'm, I keep falling back onto kind of vague descriptions of things.
1: Uh, it's hard yes. too because we're so close. So the game is done. People are playing it with the A access. The game is out in like a week. I'm, I'm like just dying to talk to people about the whole <laughs> thing now, man. No.
0: Well that there like are
1: leaves- certain moments like can you believe we were allowed to do that? That is so crazy and cool <laughs>
0: yeah, so after the game's out that, that that opens it perfectly. You can come back on the podcast and we can go whole hog spoil everything
1: exactly a big post mortem <laughs> yes because tr- trust me there is I would say
2: there is we definitely i think we both have like a top five list of things we cannot wait to talk about oh. that we Cannot like right now at this point in any way even hint at things that people have not been revealed at all. And we're just like, oh, yeah. buddy, they're so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. You,
0: you see the snipers through your window. Oh,
2: yeah. Well, that's, you know, Disney. They are a fair, but, uh, the, you know, Stern Master. Um, no spoilers.
0: Um,
2: and also, that's the other thing. You don't want to spoil things because you want people... To experience
1: them in the story yes. the way that you wrote it and intended for it. Yeah, you want them curious. to learn to love the characters the way you, hopefully, yeah. laid them out to be loved
0: without spoiling that growth that you've painstakingly put there.
1: Exactly, because I mean that's the other
2: thing. You know, you spend a year and a half, two years of your life putting a game together. Uh, you know, you want people to experience it the proper way and not just because you couldn't. You couldn't wait any longer so you just told people all about it.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: That's, that's not nearly as fun. Yeah. Uh, if for you anyone
0: sp- If you spoil anything Star Wars for me, I will defriend you immediately.
1: <laughs> These are reasonable terms.
0: I'd I'll be like, "Okay, you just did that. I'm I'm not I'm not even going to tell you what I'm going to do." <laughs> Okay. But so
2: we no spoilers from yes. us, no worries.
0: Thank you so much for spending the time coming on our podcast. This was so much fun to do. Um Agreed.
2: This was a blast. Yeah. Thank you for having it us. was a pleasure. Yes, thank you so much for reaching out. Uh
0: I'm so glad that I got you both on the podcast. Like this is we've <laughs> had we've had uh producers, game designers, like this is this is awesome. So Thank you so much for spending the time. If you would like to follow Walt on Twitter, you can do it at Walt D Williams or Mitch is uh, at Mitchie D. And that's all for this episode of the star Wars Battlefront podcast. Would you like to do the honors of saying may the force be with you?
2: May the force be with you always.